0: You're listening to the Rogers Sporting Goods Podcast. This is Aaron Jones. This is Chandler Smith. And I hate long intros, so let's get into it. Pack up!
1: And so you've got some mossy oak stuff there. And what I had heard before is that the before a full moon, seven to ten days before a full moon, you want to hunt those evenings. Coming out of a full moon... You want to hunt seven to those seven to ten days after a full moon. You want to hunt the mornings. Now, I don't know how much water that holds.
2: I'm, so seven to ten days after a full moon would be like last quarter. Yeah, you want to hunt, which is the second highest, almost tied for first of daylight deer activity. Yeah, so, so that morning's sounds right. Here. So thirty three point five percent, give or take. You know, I don't when this was done, but I'm guessing it's a it's probably still pretty accurate. Sure. And then at 33.7% was a new moon. So basically... Nothing. Nothing. Sure. Now, I have also heard... Which that makes sense to me, too, based off of what I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've also heard, and I,
1: I somewhat think it's there's some merit to it, but when there's a full moon, for instance... You know, people know that deer are running all night. I also think that there's more midday activity when there is a full moon because they've been running all night. Maybe they'll hole up for an hour, take a siesta in the morning and take a siesta in the afternoon, but they, start, they run that 10 to 2. Now, I've, I'm of the camp that... Befo-
2: before they rest again up for mm-hmm. the next night's feeding. Yeah,
1: but I'm of the mentality and of the camp that if I could pick my favorite four hours to hunt, big bucks it would be 10 to 2 I've shot more bucks in that 10 to 2 hour in funnels now not field edges but in funnels and travel corridors if you can find a good funnel a travel corridor, an inside field fence edge, something like that those bucks are moving during the rut, that first week in November man, 10 to 2 on a good day I I love that time frame
2: and I think I concur with that so before getting deep into that from what we've seen and had success with the least percentage of deer activity was a full moon, which I would have guessed as well. Just what you said based off of, um, before we get into the 10 to two. And I think that has a lot to do one. Most of us aren't out there Mm -hmm. because we take a break, but when you're going in in the morning and it's been a full moon, you know, if I've got staying, you know, it doesn't really matter. I pull in, Sure enough, it's when I've seen the most deer mm-hmm. out in the fields, beans, corn, doesn't matter, which would make sense, sure because they're feeding all through the night.
1: People are seeing the least activity during a full moon, but guess what they're not hunting that ten to two. That's my favorite time to hunt
2: right, so that brings up mm-hmm. the next thing is is that's a hard one to get around because it's tough oh yeah it's, to get out there, especially if you're you know, you wake up, you got an hour drive or whatever it is. So you're getting up early and then you get into your stand, you know, a half hour or so, you know, and you're settled into your spot. And then you sit till 10 and by 10, most people, had if they're enough. not successful, they get down and they go eat lunch. And I've seen it. I come back from lunch and I spook a deer walking out because I try to start walking back in depending, you know, as it gets darker. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to get in there 233, and I don't know how many times walking in, I bust out deer. But it's never in the field mm-hmm. like you alluded to. No. It's in the timber. They're mm-hmm. moving midday, figuring out what they're doing for their evening.
1: Well, they, they know where they're not seen in the middle of the day. That's mm-hmm. in the timber and the travel corridors and the funnels and stuff like that. But I love hunting in the middle of the day. Now, it's not fun, but if you can figure out how to stay warm and pack enough food and snacks, snacks. <laughs> for an all-day sit, that's the way to go. But the problem is the snacks. Yeah. I usually start eating lunch about 9 o'clock and then I'm like, I'll save the other half of my lunch for lunchtime and then by 10.30 I've eaten my whole lunch. That's the problem. So yeah. you got to pack a ton of food. I
0: ca- yeah, I kind of wanted to save all this uh, this good, good talk on this stuff to the middle of this podcast. So listeners, you kind of got to like a Get a a casual love. conversation of That's Pat and Aaron I... spitballing October oh, yeah. deer hunting and stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Pat and Aaron have been going back and forth about deer hunting. I'm joined. This is Chandler here talking. But, uh, yeah, we're going to kind of talk about whitetail in October. It's really it's really the goal for this podcast. But before we do, did you guys see the spec on the Dodgers game?
2: That was sweet. Yes. The, one, great pictures. Mm-hmm. It's like they took a picture of us, well, I'd say in the wild. Obviously, it was, but like you were hunting, and then implanted it into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, he wanted to see playoff baseball.
0: Yeah, or she, he or she. That was yeah, pretty funny. It was a, it was great, and then it landed. Did you did you see like the live? Like, did you? No, see it I live missed or... it. I
2: watched bits and pieces of the game. I'd like flip back to it, see what the score was, and then.
0: You think it was just a confused spec, or do you think it had any type of issues?
2: Right to be alone and then, f- you know, fly down into the stadium. But I think that happens too with foul of any kind or birds or whatever it is. You kind of see that they get in there, and I think just being in that, you know, below the lights and everything and a crowd, I think they kind of do get lost, get confused. And well, stuff. sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, one time, I mean, that thing, I think when it landed by third base, it took a, it didn't really just graciously land. It took a immediate hold. and that's when they, I think, that's when the ground crew got it. Oh, so it
1: didn't fly back off.
0: No, they had to throw. It, they threw a towel over it and throw it in a trash can. Not like in a trash can. Like they put it. <laughs> they put it <laughs> okay in just a, a trash bucket right, to like I'm transport the, it yeah. away from the field and probably release it yeah. outside the stadium or something like that.
2: And where was that? Where was the game being played at? Was it? I guess they're both in Cali, so it wouldn't matter. Yeah,
0: I don't. I forgot which stadium. Either L.A.
2: or your San Diego. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot which stadium was in. I'm just thinking of the migration report right now, (laughs) correlating
0: (laughs) into that like this lost speck. After I saw that, I saw another. I don't know what year it was, but a Canada goose did the same thing. Landed in the field, got confused, and it tried to fly out, and it flew right into like the. Like the thin uh, oh, the screen. Oh. No, the thin screens around like above for,
1: for protect the fans from foul balls. No like the that part?
0: No, it's like the LED screen that's real thin that goes around like the midsection. Oh sure. they usually have like either stats. Stats oh, yeah. or promotional. It flew into that.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what happens and, when you see that. Once if they for some reason dip down below the top of the wherever field it mm-hmm. is. I think they get confused because there's so much going on. You gotta, all those people. The lights are so bright, and then I think yeah. everything gets confusing. Like, how do I get out of here?
0: It looked like <laughs> it just having a hard time getting the like the air and the the lift to get out because it was trying and it just flew right into the the screen. But anyways, hanging out. I derailed us a little bit there. That was all right. No, it's a good, if you should go if you
2: haven't seen the pictures, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. There's some great pictures.
1: I agree. So the focus of today is what? Yeah.
2: Hunting late October into the rut? Yeah, kind of this this pre-rut action really going to be taken off now. Um, You know, leading up to the rut. Maybe some tips, tricks. Yeah. Um, Starting to see some cooler weather. Everything involved in that, you know, aspect of...
0: Mm -hmm. I think 90 degrees are gone. Thank goodness. The weather's changing. Yes, thank goodness for sure. Um, at
2: least the mornings are cooler. Yeah, for sure. Missouri weather—you just you wear a hoodie in the morning and then shorts and a t-shirt. By the you know we get about seventies right now for a high.
0: Yeah. You always wear when it's shorts coming
2: though. up, but I always wear shorts, so that doesn't matter. Mm-mm. I'll wear a hoodie or t-shirt depending. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so before we get into the okay, game plan, yeah, before we get into the game plan, like kind of what you're talking about. Pat, you've been doing some mock scrape stuff, and yeah, I don't know how do we wanna break this up? I'm kind of
2: I'm late prepping this year, I mean, typically, well, scrape wise that's probably being done, but if we backtracked before that, there's some things that should have been done already that I just didn't have time or slept in late or didn't want to go to the farm that day, but You know, you basically should have... You know, trail cams are probably already set. Um, Stands are pretty much ready to go. A lot of that stuff. um, Checking stuff. And then... But the first initial, like, thing you're doing is mock scrapes. And that's getting ready, uh, which is part of pre-rut action. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, I think Stevie was, you know, talking about you... Telling him about deer movement and right, so as we're coming out of it now, but uh bachelor groups of bucks and then dozer and everybody's separated, but we're gonna slowly start coming out of that now, so them bucks are gonna start separating, they're gonna be wandering all over, they're gonna start making scrapes and rub lines and start figuring out their home range and
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know not necessarily specifically looking for hot does but they're they're widening right they're breaking off and they're starting that initial prowl of is anybody available Mm -hmm. and i've had Uh
1: several trail camera pictures of little bucks sparring a little bit just kind of bumping antlers and tickling horns and they're not going crazy or anything at it i don't think it's quite to that point
2: but they're they're starting to get a little a little feisty and i don't know if i'm foreshadowing what we're going to get into, but can we preface this is the pre-rut, the rut, then you basically have post-rut, and then there's some spikes, Mm -hmm. right? People talk about a late rut and things, which to me, I think is really a continuation of the actual rut. It's just does or fawns that have come into heat late Mm -hmm. that want to be bred. But the rut, after looking at tons of studies, happens the same time every year. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's warm or it's a cooler fall, like if Mm -hmm. it gets colder. And I think we see, like bucks, whether they're young or older, they'll kind of start sparring a little bit. We might see a buck with a doe and think, hmm, I think they're chasing. They're... I don't know how to say it, but they're not. Exactly. The rut happens the same time every year, mm-hmm. scientifically. The studies that have been done for decades. Yeah,
1: and it's like give or take a day or two, not weeks. Yeah,
2: it, it's, you're not going to have an early rut. Mm-mm. So you're not going to see the rut in Missouri ever happen in October. It True basically Right. So, but I've seen that, like around Halloween, which is a good time to hunt. Now, you you
1: might see the the seeking phase where the the seeking bucks phase are where going on little walkabouts looking for ladies. Yeah, you might you might see a little chasing the last couple of days of October. Yeah, but the peak of the rut that people usually associate
2: with the with breeding that,
1: phase that, that happens the same time every year. That's the breeding phase. Mm-hmm. You might get deer that are a little bit feistier, searchier, chasier. In October, but the peak breeding is always going to happen right around that 12th, 14th, yep. 16th of November. And it's, it's regardless always,
2: yeah. of temperature. Mm-hmm. If it's 90 for some reason, then they're still gonna—they're just going to do it. At it's going to be the rut. The activity will just be at the night. Exactly. So, if for some reason, we get a cold spell in October is 50s for the high and 30s for the rutting. low. They're not going to start rutting sooner. So just, but basically, so pre-rut's kind of what we're going into right now.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, so the 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 bucks and does, everybody's kind of start mingling out. Does will kind of stay more together, but the bucks will start splitting up. You'll start seeing um, singles or pairs um, breaking up. So what you were talking about, my first step is mock scrapes, and there's mm-hmm. a ton of ways to do them, right? What did you do this year? Multiple companies have. You know, I've done the bag drippers. So like uh, wildlife, so wildlife research, research mm-hmm. makes like – You know, the original Mm -hmm. nice bag dripper. Tinks has a dripper, but it's more of a a plastic bottle. I've seen the crazy IV style drippers. Mm -hmm. Um, Scrape fix, which is newer to us at the store that we brought on as a product. They do. um, So you can make a mock scrape and then you can get a vine. Just a synthetic, like hard fake looking vine. Obviously, when we talk about scrapes, there's numerous ways to set it up. The most popular is the overhanging branch on the edge of a field line, mm-hmm. which is where you see most of your scrapes. Sure. So,
0: so what I did, go ahead. I was just saying real quick as you're going into this, mm-hmm. if a guy or a hunter is not 100% sure what a scrape is, go ahead and explain what a scrape is. Um, someone might yeah. get confused with the rub and right. scrape. So, yeah,
2: so you have a scrapes, then you have, you know, like a lot of people or hunters will allude to, a rub line, um, which you'll see too. So yeah, the so explain rub line yeah. and then a scrape line too, yeah. what a scrape So you're going like to start seeing those now, um, and they'll become more prevalent the farther into October we get. You're going to see more and more, so, so which lets you know that pre-rut activity is going on. So a scrape typically is where you have a low overhanging branch on the edge of a field is the most popular spot you see them. And the bucks will go and start pawing at the dirt and licking the the overhanging branches and rub their horns on them, our antlers Mm -hmm. and um, preorbital glands. Yeah. And so you get that preorbital gland right on their forehead, um, which some companies make that scent too, um, which I've used. And so they're kind of like, hey, this is my spot, right? Um, they'll go to the bath, you know, they'll pee in it, kind of how they mark it, right? They're marking their territory, leaving their scent there, and, and it, they might make a few of them.
1: And it's a signpost too to see who's in the area, because yeah. yes. more than one deer will hit it. Will hit it, yeah. So you'll get bucks and does that'll all hit it, and they can go through and they're, they're I guess they're smart enough, so to speak, that they're like, okay, I recognize all these other smells Mm -hmm. as deer in the area.
2: Yeah. And they'll frequent them, right? They might go to it every day for a week or whatever, you know what I mean? They'll hit it often knowing cause other deer are going to come hit that same bare ground, leave their scent, leave their forehead gland, the preorbital scent on the tree. So they'll come back to that. So Mm -hmm. that's a scrape. You'll notice these on field edges a lot, most popular. They'll be in the timber too, but for the most part, they're on field edges. Another one that you'll see is the rub line, and you'll see those a lot too on field edges, but um, one, not just because you're walking there and you see them mostly, but they're in the timber too. And so a rub line, um, they're not as much pawing at the dirt. This happens when they're rubbing trees and they're rubbing the bark off, they're rubbing their antlers. Um, And so they're easily seen because you'll be walking and then all of a sudden, you know, you see the one. tree. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll, you'll see they'll do. One. Yeah, so you call it a rub line. You can kind of follow the line that they're walking. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you can tell whether they're in the morning or in the evening. Did you know that?
2: Not so,
1: explain so, that. So basically, if you're in a field and you're walking into the timber and you see a rub line as you're leaving the field going into the timber, that deer has made that in the morning going back to bedding. Because he's walking from the field, going back to the bedding area, and that side of the tree is rubbed. If you're in the timber looking out towards the field, and that's when you see all the rubs. He's making those in the evening as he's coming from
2: bedding to staging to feeding. So you can kind of see which side of the tree, and you can he's follow, yeah,
1: which which direction he's going. So you can kind of get an idea of, okay, he's bedding in this direction, coming through staging here. And feeding here. If you can find it leaving the field, you'll kind of find a direction he likes to go leaving the field. So, which side of the tree it on, is on kind of gives you an inclination, whether that's a morning or an evening rub.
0: So, let me, let me throw some questions at you. on I'll stick with the rub while we're, while we're here. Is there anything to show that it's a big deer or small deer? Size of tree, height of the rub?
1: I, height is going to be your number one factor. You're not going to get a lot of little tiny. Spikes or forks that are rubbing a tree the size of your thigh. Mm-hmm. But you'll get big bucks that'll just destroy little saplings. Mm-hmm. They, just,
2: it's, they just do and that. And so you hear that a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was... Yes, typically, big bucks, one, they'll rub anything. Mm-hmm. So if you see a small sapling, I would tell you that could be any size buck, from a spike sure. to a popin' young deer. If you see a big tree like a telephone pole, like big pine tree or big oak tree that's rubbed, generally speaking, that's a more mature deer.
0: Mm-hmm. And then height maybe shows some of the exactly. antler size.
1: And if it's got gouges in it, obviously it's right. something with some eye guards, some brow tines. I mean, it's like not
2: 100% accurate, but... A camera is the only way that's going to tell yeah. you what's on it. Yeah, but if you see a, a small tree... Don't automatically small rub. You might yeah, don't automatically assume. think. Well, that's a small, small. Exactly. Buck. That's Look for not tracks too.
1: Tracks will be a good indicator too.
2: Yeah, I guess so. And so, with the scrapes and rubs, that's kind of your precursor to let you know that pre-rut is mm-hmm. is beginning.
1: Now, do you hunt rubs or scrapes?
2: Yes. So, what I will, I mean, there are certain areas. Um, but typically, I'll try to set up in the vicinity. Um, like I was reading, and obviously I knew that to make sure I but word it correctly. So like a, um, a scrape where they're leaving their sign and you know peeing in the dirt. and um, You want to set up um, downwind. I want to make sure I say it. So deer typically will approach their scrape with the with the, um,
0: the, scent blown into them? Yeah. Like I it?
2: want my scent coming away from them. Correct. Yeah, so I'll be on the downwind they'll, side.
1: They'll scent check that scrape from the downwind
2: side, yes. Yes, themselves. So you set up, you know, 20, 30 yards away. So you want, Yeah, so you, are you trying to catch them before they get there or after?
1: Typically, they're making scrapes at night. So yeah. I personally won't hunt a scrape but I will try and figure out where they're bedding and or where they may be, if I'm hunting a morning, where they might be feeding and get in between it. Yeah. But I won't set up over a scrape per se, just because I know that's going to happen at night most of the time. Now that's not always true because I've literally um, hunted a piece of public ground before and I just happened to see a scrape. And I, I got nosy, and I
0: was like, man, that smells fresh. And I bumped a buck that was sitting 20 yards away, checking it, waiting for other deer. I've definitely you know. hunted a field edge and, and didn't realize. Well, I, I think I knew, but I had a couple bucks check a scrape. It wasn't very big, but they came up and mm-hmm. threw their antlers into the limbs and stuff. But they weren't shooters, but they were. it was definitely evening. Sure. And they will check them in the daylight most of the— crazy pawing and scraping is going to
2: be done at night but definitely
1: you can intercept them going to that if you get close enough to their
2: bedding area and now if i like a rub line i mean if i've got two or three fairly close to each other i know that that's an area where deer activity if you're going after a buck
1: they're comfortable traveling higher and that's
2: where they travel so i mean i'll set up in that area yeah. but there's a lot more you know to it. there's other areas right funnels and pinch points and things that go into where I put my set. It's not just solely based off of the rub line the rub line. Another thing too is in the pre-rut is the feeding um, as the beans start to change over um, deer will will transition and they love you know the fresh falling acorns. So if you've got a nice patch of those, that's a great place to set up. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: They're still in full fill-my-belly mode because they know coming up. They know
2: coming up, right. Um, So to finish how I set my mock scrape, what I did this year is I did like a a fake mock scrape. I took um, some Code Blue Scrape Mate and soaked it in some frayed-style rope made like a homemade vine. And hung it up. Just trying something new, right? We, I've tried just about everything. So I'm I think it's more of an experiment than yeah, anything. What do you have to lose? Right. I just yeah. yeah. And I did it in some areas where I already knew there's been scrapes before. I just set up a new one. Um You have had people what about this to you guys is and some guys say, I don't know why you would do that, but I know a lot of hunters that do it. And apparently deer can't tell, but, um, you know, they pee in their scrape. Can a human do it? And it's just the same. They're like, Oh, someone marked their territory. So I'm going to come mm-hmm. there. It doesn't scare them away. If a um, hunter does it,
0: I wouldn't do it, but I've heard it. Oh yeah. I mean, heard, I have heard yeah. of that.
2: I haven't done it, but I, you know, People talk about it, and I've, I was like, well, I'd just, I'd just rather buy
0: deer urine and mm-hmm. is there sub- use sub- I, that. I think I've heard something about, like, a master scrape, or, like, is there something about, like, there's, like, these scrapes, but then there's, like, the, the main scrape. Mm-hmm. That's,
1: Pri- yeah, primary, and then there's, yeah, giant community scrapes, yeah. and I've, I've only seen a couple of those, but, I mean, they're ridiculous. They're six feet yeah, you can tell that by the or, size of the, yeah, the like pawing this, and Yeah, like stuff. the size of your truck hood. Yeah. I mean, they're just ridiculous, or, or a little bigger. But like a community scrape, they're ridiculous. And most of the time, they're not on a field edge, they're in the timber. At least the two I've seen that I knew were a community okay. scrape full of deer footprints and scrape. But, yeah, they're, I've only seen two.
2: The new thing now, I say new probably in the last couple of years, it's really gained popularity, is making a fake rub tree. Mm -hmm. out in a food plot Mm -hmm. just you know putting out a fake sapling something that holds it in and doing that and i've seen that be successful sure as they see this tree and -hmm. they just for some reason you know they want they attract to it
1: i wanted to do that this year in one of mine but ran out of time but i was basically gonna just grab a sapling dig about a three-foot hole drop it in there and then um, try and find a branch from a different tree and screw it and wire it onto the tree for like a, a licking branch and make a scrape and or rub setup. But I just mm-hmm. I ran out of time this year. But I wanted to do that.
2: That seems to be a good, successful trick. Oh, I've heard lots of people that talk about that isolated tree, mm-hmm. kind of out in the middle of the food plot. Mm-hmm. You know, but it seems to work. There's gadgets out there to help you do it, but you know you can just
0: yeah. So all all these mock scrapes or rubs, their, their sole purpose is to get bucks in your area or a certain buck to check it, to be in that area more, to right. get them on a routine. Is that what that is?
2: Okay, so that's a good, as we talked about that. So when you make scrapes, one thing that it does is it helps, if you're doing a dripper, is it helps with daylight activity. So a dripper functions... During daylight and then we'll s- slowly stop dripping as it goes overnight doesn't matter how cold or hot it is but as the Sun rises typically the temperature will go up some and so the pressure of that day and everything combined it'll drip during the day which should help bucks frequent it more during daylight hours than overnight mm-hmm um, so you do all these things to help you know you be successful, and I'm all for trying all of them mm-hmm. just to see. Um, and so you've got your mock scrapes you've done. Um, you're checking your rub lines. When do you start the mock scrapes? Yeah, so now any time in October. Yeah, mid October for heard me. heard guys they start them early. Yeah, I've seen some guys they'll they'll do it starting in October. I mean. If you're checking cameras and doing sets, and you see fresh scrapes or mocks, I think you're good to go. Do it, yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, same with scent. As we get into that, when we get to it, I'll I'll bring up something. But um, so mock scrapes, all that's done. I'm set. We've checked stands, and now the the next thing, right, is the tactics of the actual hunt itself and what takes place.
0: Yeah. Um. So it's, it's decently chilly now in October. You know, what days are you picking to go hunt and what times? Always, um, always hunting the fronts because
1: October is a very bipolar month. I mean, you can start the month at 90 degrees and finish the month at 40 degrees. You never know. So I personally, you know, you're going to read a lot of stuff on the internet or see a lot of stuff that, oh, you need to hunt this moon phase or you need to hunt this day or that day. But most people don't have the luxury of hunting any day they want or their, hun- or their schedule doesn't align with those days. So that's always something to consider. The best time to hunt is when you can. That being said, obviously there's things that, you know, a moon phase may help, or I still think fronts are the biggest, fronts, yeah. the biggest kicker, you know, there's
2: things that are going to help you up your chances. Exactly. If, if you can only hunt whenever, then obviously uh, mm-hmm. when you can, um, mm-hmm but things that can help you. So moon phase, um, you talked about cold fronts, mm-hmm. or any type of front really. Well, and fronts kind
0: of do with pressure, right? Yeah. yeah,
2: what correlates with that is the barometric pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you hear like like, uh, Jury Outdoors, they talk about it a lot, right? So, um, but one thing that they've helped people is that, that pressure, and I think they, if I remember correctly, right around the 32 mark, like if the pressure's 32, it doesn't matter if it's 80 or not. That's a great day to be out there with that pressure. Mm-hmm. That high pressure is a good day to get out there. Yeah. Um, if all else fails, you know, and it's a great pressure,
0: get out in, there. In bass fishing, we talk about pressure rising and falling and what that does. And then for deer hunting, is it the same? Is it, is it about the falling or rising or is it about that certain that certain degree or the certain measurement? I don't know.
2: Yeah,
0: I, because, I would because say it's a little bit of with, both. You get a fronts. lot of people
1: that are like, okay, between, you know, 29.6 and 31, you know, that's the best time to deer hunt. But again, I still think that the that, that fronts, man, it, the, that yeah. pressure change when a like front's coming Like we just had in, a
2: colt front the other day when it was like well, when 32. It goes from,
1: yeah, it goes from 80 to 50, you know. It's uh, Thursday's 82, and the high Friday's 57, you need to be hunting that front. But, again, I'm, I am a lot of people say, like, a good rising pressure, too, but I've I've seen deer activity just diminish when it's, you know, rising pressure. Well, I guess it's been later in the season when I've seen that. It goes from 21 degrees to 33 degrees, and activity from the day before was absolutely diminished, but there was a rising pressure to create that event. So I always like the, the falling pressures in the fronts. That's when I'm itching. That's when I'm really struggling to not be out there.
0: Right now we have a falling yeah. pressure.
2: I just added it to my watch. Oh, okay, perfect. They say like uh, um, they seem to move best, whitetails do when the pressure's between 29.9 and 30.3. Okay. So there you, there you go. Um, and the best would be at that higher end. I know it doesn't seem like there's a lot of wiggle room there, but the higher end of that 30.3. Sure. So, so and I, I know people, you know, they hunt those as well. Um, for me, I've, and I've been on the opposite end where if I, if I'm available to get out there, cause I don't have as much time. I mean, I'll go. My chances are more successful. I just, you know, I gotta be out there. Um, but yeah, same with like waterfowl, right? You hunt the fronts, and you know, just gets deer activity. You know, if there's a big cold snap and it goes, them cold fronts, same yeah. as us, right? You got they want to warm themselves up, and you know, they move more. Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, so from that going in the moon phase it's kind of what you guys started the you were yeah talking back and forth about. And Aaron, you were saying. Just, I mean, in right into a full moon and after a full moon is, is like key. You're saying evenings,
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. So going back to that, basically, when you are before a full moon, so if your full moon is on the twentieth of the month, basically those seven to ten days ahead of that full moon, you want to you want to target the evenings. If your full moon's on the twentieth, say the twentieth to the twenty eighth twenty ninth you want to target mornings so before the full moon you you want to focus on evenings and after the full moon focus on mornings. I think there's some merit to that, but
2: and is that because they're feeding overnight in a full moon so they're coming back to their bedding area so the setup then would be get be figure out where the bedding area is, mm-hmm. if you can, and hunt between the bedding area and where they're coming off their feed from the full moon. Sure. Because they're feeding overnight, typically. You're going to catch them coming to bed in the morning.
1: Well, sure. And whitetail, they're a crepuscular creature, so that means they're basically they're most active at dusk and dawn. That's what crepuscular means. So if you can time the rising and setting of the moon, especially the rising of the moon with the dusk and dawn I I think that's an even better opportunity again if everybody has a perfectly free schedule to hunt whenever they want sure you just look at these things and you're like okay I'm gonna hunt this 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 and this right but that doesn't work but if you can get to where you know you go out right now and it's sunsets at well, I don't know what, what 640 or something like that Chandler pull that you. up on your watch that's a oh, it's later than that maybe yeah it's they like
0: call that seven right um uh, 644
1: p.m. okay I was close so anyway, yeah, if if you can get that moon and it's rising at 6 in the evening and it's straight overhead at 6 in the evening, man, that that's bingo. So when it's right overhead, if it's go time, like last light, if it's right overhead, first light, I have seen a lot of merit to that where there's a lot of deer moving out in the fields, running across roads. They're doing a lot mm-hmm. of stuff when that moon's straight overhead right at dusk and dawn.
2: And that's a—well— Going back to your point of 10 to 2, Mm -hmm. seeing action. Typically, though, that's in the timber. Correct. um, Which is another reason why midday, there's a couple factors. One, we're not out there, so we don't see the activity. And Mm -hmm. two, if you are driving around, it's typically in the timber, so you don't see deer either Mm -hmm. out in the fields, Mm -hmm. which is why most people are successful in the mornings and evenings. Correct. Part of that, too, is that's when they're out there Mm -hmm. hunting. Mm -hmm. uh, But that's also when they're more in the open. Yep. And they're moving between their feeding and bedding in the morning and evening. Exactly. And ironically enough,
1: the reason I got so hooked on hunting that 10 to 2 time frame is I really got in a spot where to get back to the timber where I wanted to hunt, you were blowing deer out of the field trying to walk in in the morning. And then if you sat in the timber until dark, you'd try to leave that stand set up and you'd blow deer out of the field. So I was spooking deer in and out constantly and I thought, well, this is ridiculous. I either got to go to the stand at three in the morning and sit till nine at night, or I just wait and go in at like 8.30, nine o'clock and then leave at like four. And so that's what I started doing. And I'd get back there and there was a good inside field edge. There was a funnel, there was a creek. And man, I would see deer all day from starting about 9.30 till about 3.30 in the afternoon, just nonstop deer activity. And then it would kind of wane. And then that's when I'd sneak out and I'd never spook a deer. I'd never spook a deer going in about 8, 15, 8, 30 either. So it was just, it wasn't by chance that I fell in love with that 10 to 2 time frame. It was, right. I had to, or else I was blowing deer out of a field regardless. But man, if you can find a good funnel.
2: Yeah, so. I think there's something to be said. You were taking mental notes mm-hmm. about this spot you're talking about, but jotting it down on your phone, like what you're seeing, mm-hmm. um, taking mental notes throughout the seasons so you can look at that those are great tools to use to change your setup from year to year or right what was activity today okay october 27th it was this cold there's things that you know you write it down and you start comparing these and you'll see that right just another tool to up your chances and like you're talking about hunting that spot over and over you're like gosh i keep blowing the deer out then you realize, well, I'm going to try this, you're more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's that in-season scouting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, not just everything set up, you've done your trail cameras, and then you just go hunt, and whatever happens, happens. But, have, you know, don't be afraid to make changes in season.
0: Have I told you about that? I don't know if I was talked about on this podcast. where hunt hunting north Missouri. I think we were going out. I don't know it was midday, maybe it was ten o'clock, maybe it was noon. I don't know, but it was like the one random day I didn't walk in with my release on my hand or on my wrist, bow hunting. This is right before the rut, or yeah, right before the rut, right before Missouri's rifle season, um like the weekend before or something like that, and just start walking in the timber. It was midday. I think we hunted that morning or something like that. I don't know. It was kind of chilly, and I basically about rain in the way of a nice one thirty five, one forty buck. It looked big from the ground, but I don't know. I tend to I tend to shoot low. And uh about run into it and it was chasing a doe like right in front of me. And I dropped to a dropped to a knee in the trail, grabbed my bow, put an arrow on and then I realized I don't have my release. Well I, I did, it was just in the backpack. And at this point he's probably twenty something yards to my right didn't care that i mean i'm sure they both saw me but they did not care i was there and i was fumbling trying to figure out which pocket the release is in i found it put it on got my bow started to kind of i don't know what i was doing just chase off in that direction and by the time i got around the corner of like this cedar or this evergreen they were nowhere to be found because they were moving mm-hmm. but if but the amount of time of me, like, on my knees fumbling from our release, if I had the release, I could have had two or three shots. Yeah.
1: Craziest thing I've ever had happen, it wasn't it wasn't the extent where I could have got a shot at a deer, but a buddy and I were hunting this property that I was just talking about that was tough to get into, but we walked in early one morning. I mean, it, we were a little crazy, like 4.30. We We got after it. But he was about, I'd say, 10 yards in front of me, and I had stopped to get a drink or something, so I was about 10 yards behind him. We had a doe run between us. We both had our headlamps on. We had a doe run between us, and I was like, good grief. We stopped and kind of laughed, and pretty soon we hear something running through the timber, and the buck was chasing the doe and ran right between us too, and I had my green headlamp on, and I was like, holy crap, and I stopped, and the buck turns around and looks at it, and I got my light on. I mean, it's probably 135, 140, but, yeah, we were 10 yards apart, and the deer, deer ran right between us. Jeez. Yeah. They they get crazy,
2: man. Yeah. So you're talking about walking in? I do walk in uh, with my release on.
0: Yeah, I normally do. I don't know. Now, what,
2: it was that day because I've had it. I mean, I've never taken one, but I've had chances yeah. where if I just had a few more seconds. But just in case, I don't want to be caught with no release, and my target deer, one that I want to take, is standing right there, and he's not moving, and all I got to do is. My my, Knock an arrow. my
1: reason for wearing a release is not for deer, but for turkey. During turkey season, you can't get within a quarter mile of a turkey on foot. During deer season, I trip over and walk into my stand. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's like... So you want to be ready to go. For a turkey, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you can... Well, Missouri, you buy your bow tags, you get turkey tags, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But I've had more opportunity at turkey than deer walking in and out. Right. Hey, that might be a good opportunity this year to get some... Turkey for Thanksgiving. Yes, yep. you get a wild one because I supposedly uh, store bought. You know, turkey for Thanksgiving is through the roof. People are gonna have be, to get you one for the table. People are gonna be having wild. ham for Thanksgiving this year. Something no, w- they had to knock out a couple of million in yeah, population for the for harvest or something for this fall.
1: Yeah, when are when aren't we trying to deal with the food so you shortage? Get yet? a
0: wild wild turkey for you for the table. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Should deep fried turkey.
1: mm-hmm I could do it.
2: One thing I brought up was the scent thing I wanted to touch on, but and I get asked at the store, hey, what would you use? And in and, and there's a lot of companies. I just want to so during the pre rut, like dough urine, normal buck urine, basically all season. Um but estrus, right? Just use it during the rut.
1: The, yeah, the peak, the peak the, of the, the rut.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, depending
1: I, depending on your area. We right. keep saying mid-November. That's here for the Midwest. Right, that's
2: for, yeah, in in Missouri here. Obviously, that changes yet yeah, depending on what state you're in and stuff. But, right, it's unnatural. You don't want to put out an unnatural, right? If you put out estrus in mid-October, that's not natural. Yeah, one, so, of, the,
0: one of the cool things about Rogers, too, is in the store, at least at this point right now, 'Cause deer scents are not sold online because they break open in UPS shipping and mm-hmm. you yeah, get they a, beat the tar out of some of these. And things. you get a package that smells like buck piss. Yeah. You know, at your doorstep. Right. Doc's going crazy. But anyways, uh, you know, going in the store, you get to see five, six, seven, eight brands that are all and then we carry all of the options. You know, I've been mm-hmm. I've done scrapes from Code Blue that I have orbital gland scent. Yeah. In a bottle that I'm rubbing on the limbs, then I got dominant buck urine and code blue or something that's put on the ground, right? There's or whatever. Yeah, and then you got
2: synthetic versus, you know, we carry it all. Uh, I was about to say fresh squeezed. Yeah. <laughs> you can say <laughs> like, <yes>. I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean, but fresh collected from a farm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um some states don't allow that now. Collected, yeah. So it's gotta be synthetic, which Mm -hmm. is Uh a
1: little ridiculous. I've read now, of course, I've read some articles online, so I'm an expert. That qualifies me as an expert because I spent thirty seconds googling. Right? Uh huh. But supposedly, the deer has to drink like a gallon and a half of natural urine in order to get CWD from urine. Like Mm. the the the, the, the amount that a deer has to consume to get CWD from an infected deer urine is through the roof it's totally unnatural not realistic but you've got states that have outlawed the natural urine I personally don't care what you use synthetic natural whatever Um, I don't use a lot of it anyway Mm -hmm. um, just because I think over the last several years it's so heavily used that deer pick up on it they're not dumb they're like man I smell XYZ scent every field I go into this year Mm -hmm. that's not normal I don't know. I also think, too, that if you think about it, like, oh, I'm going to put some doe estrus out. I'm going to hang some on a wick. Well, that doe estrus is from when she pisses in a scrape. She doesn't just put out a little quarter of an ounce, man. She's dumping out about, I don't know how many ounces. So I think if you really want to get that deer's attention, you got to put, what, eight ounces out there, probably. That's well, what she's yeah. pissing, not just a little half-ounce bottle. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know. I I have mixed feelings. I've... I, Pretty sure I've or had how I deer. Can make
2: this bigger. This is perfect. What you just said.
1: Yeah, I, I've got mixed mixed feelings on that. I feel like yes, I've had deer sniff wicks before, little bucks and does and stuff. But I've also think I've I've seen deer come into a field, get downwind and blow, mm-hmm. and it's not me because I'm 60 yards away during rifle season. So I know they're not smelling me because I'm still so, downwind yet. But they smell that wick and they blow. So I'm on the fence about that. But I don't know. Synthetic, natural, whatever. Uh, I just had to throw see. that in there. And if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I could have there's swore when I read it. It was a deer had to consume like a gallon and a half of urine. Oh, yeah. Urine but but you are sick.
2: right on there are states where natural urines are banned. Yes. Um, so there's four different classifications. Um, so there's yellow states are where all natural urine-based scents are banned. So like we carry mist dopey mm-hmm. or flawless. Those are natural. Sure. Actually... Code Blue.
0: They have they get they their more expensive line has one deer one bottle kind of thing. One deer Fresh. one bottle. They also have, synthetic. but those are
2: but those are natural. So yeah. you got to check whether it's yeah. synthetic. It'll you, say synthetic. You'll on it. You usually
0: find that in a fridge if it's like the good stuff. Sometimes, yes.
2: yeah. Um, but if it's not, you know, it should say synthetic. So those states, a few of these. Have always been that way, even before CWD was a big deal, and some are more recent. So, to name off a few, one in the Midwest, Arkansas, if you consider that Midwest. I didn't
0: know them. I thought it was more like. But basically,
2: everybody in the Midwest, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, um, Nebraska, those are all, you're good. You Mm -hmm. can use whatever you want. So, but the yellow states, you've got Arkansas, Alaska, Nevada.
0: Oh, so it's West. Um, Oregon. Oregon, Idaho.
2: Idaho uh, <laughs> New Mexico. New Arizona. Mexico, Arizona. Mostly the West states. Yeah. A few, is that Vermont? Uh, it or, looks like, yeah,
0: it looks like Vermont. I am trying to make it bigger. Yeah. South Carolina, Virginia. Right. So those are, those are the ones I remember. I didn't mm-hmm. know about the out West states. Well, and,
1: you yeah. know, that's where CWD, well, Colorado is where they. Like,
2: yeah, but Colorado is everything's okay.
1: A lot of that CWD is pretty.
2: Yeah. Dark blue do not have statewide urine based scent bans or restrictions. Um, Besides, there's a couple where they restrict use in the CWD management zones. Okay. Like I remember Missouri had that for even just normal mineral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like not just baiting with corn or anything like that or whatever. But yeah, you couldn't even put out a block of salt. Mm hmm during our peak it was a few years back and it might be changed. Now I'd have to look at this year's book. Um, then you have medium blue States. Uh, they ban urine based scents unless they are products that qualify for the ATA R H S a deer protection program. Mm
1: -hmm. Those are facilities that have to go through a rigorous screening process to prove that they don't have CW. So
2: medium blue, there's a pocket of them. Um, Alabama, uh, Westford, no, Kentucky, Tennessee, there's a pocket of Montana, them there. Michigan. Montana, Yep. Yeah. And then you've got your light blue and gray, which there's only one. It's Louisiana. Louisiana banned urine-based scents except for products that meet the deer protection program standards like the medium blue states above and also R T Q U L C tested to confirm no CWD prions are present. So there you go. If you're in Missouri, you're okay. Basically the Midwest, you're okay. Except Arkansas you'd have to use synthetic. Now Mm -hmm. I have used both. It's really hard to tell. People ask me this too. Do you see a difference when you use, well, there's variables too, right? Same with rattling. I think there's twice I can truly say that when I rattled, I knew that buck came because I rattled, but I've rattled other times. And then a the deer came a half hour later. Now they can't hear a long way. Sometimes they just meander to you, but mm-hmm. same with scent. I don't, you know, I do use some of it as more of a cover scent, and it kind of, you know, I don't know if there's a better or worse, um, you know but i I use them mm-hmm. I just use it more as an advantage
0: real quick before we go into the rattling um, ever calm like the deer yeah herd scent you know
2: ever calm the mama doe by heat wave mm-hmm. um, and then code blue makes a uh, the a sticked style version like ever calm
0: I feel like I've personally seen that stuff act as calming aid I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they were just calm like a, to the like with. Like a deer
2: dander calming. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: smells like a bedding area. It Literally I've,
2: smells like a wet deer. Yeah, I've,
0: uh-huh. yeah, it does. And I've literally had a you know a small buck just come lay under the tree I rubbed Evercom on. I've had had was people like 10 say years, that. That was ten years ago, and he just he went in that area and the tree I rubbed it on, or one of the trees that like usually three or four. He just came in and just laid right under it, and I stared at him for about four hours. <laughs> and then yeah. then
1: you were sold on Evercom?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe and then I don't he, know. Bought us out. Yes. No.
1: no, I, I, I think there's merit to that stuff too, to some extent, because I'll hunt ground blinds and I'll rub it around the two little windows I might have open, and yeah. I, I don't seem to see deer walk by and flip out, even if they're downwind of me. Now they'll mm-hmm. stop and kind of peek in the blind and they'll, they'll get cautious, but they don't flip out. But I've got that right around all the window edges and pretty heavily. So if there's yeah. any wind coming from the blind, it's got that on there. Yeah. yeah.
2: There's okay. – yeah, you even got like the cover sun stuff like nose jammer and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And there's people that swear by it. I mean, oh, yeah. they will buy us out. <laughs> and I'll, I'll sell out and <laughs> people will be like, you don't have any more? I need it. Sure. Like that, but they, you know, they just nose jammer those kind of different. It does the, it's supposed to, um, what they've the studies have shown. They're olfactory, olfactory. yeah. It just kind of jams it, it just kinda, maxed out, like they just, can't just like max take out. Anymore. And so like they're a, like, uh, you know, I mean, it smells, it's like a vanilla smell. I love the smell, right? <laughs> I like, I like, like, I like nose jammer for like me, like a fart can yes. spray. <laughs> but it but it just yeah Mm -hmm. so um i don't know with the okay so that's the you know there's tons of scents i mean if you want to use them by all means just make sure it's the right you know dough and buck urine great to use don't do a rutting buck scent um like Evercom makes rutting buck Mm -hmm. um i think there's a few other like dominant buck style scents don't use those really until you get to the peak of the rut. Same with estrus. But just mm-hmm. regular dough urine, the calming scent, and then yeah. you know, just everyday dough urine, no problem.
0: Mm-hmm. How many how many buck bombs do we sell? Oh my gosh, sell?
2: remember those estrus. buck bombs? Even I'd buy a pile. <laughs> I'd go out there and I'd hunt an open cornfield. It looked like I was fogging <laughs> for bugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that stuff just gotta make sure the wind's in the right direction. Yes, you don't want to pop that down and be be down the
0: window. Oh boy, we still have we would them. sell thousands yeah. of those, thousands and just for know sure. They, I just picture like a bunch of guys in the and tree it's stand, a, like hitting the button and chucking it. You know, right? It's just like <laughs> a grenade. They're just popping it. Smoke
2: grenade. It is. Um, those are great more for though the open field. I think it's a you know if you're gonna use a scent. You put it out 10, 15 yards away, depress it, and just let it douse Permeate, everything yeah. downwind. If you um, get somebody interested. That is one thing that I'll do. Uh, when I do use scents, I'll even carry a spray-style bottle like, um, like Golden Estrus from Wildlife Research mm-hmm. um, during the rut. And even when I climb up, I'll have it ready um, or some sort of spray-style scent. And... Every half hour, 45 minutes, just a couple sprays just to kind of re in those molecules because it's a spray. One, it's no mess. We've all been there. You get some on your hand, then you forget, right and you wipe your eyes or <laughs> your nose, and then nose, it's in your nose. Or, yeah. you your you're nose eat, a, eat, you're, a, eat a snack, you're and go to, to lick eat your, your
0: finger, your awesome made sandwich, and then you're just and like, oh, just smelling. Jeez.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll do a couple sprays just to refresh in the area and then molecules they travel so far, but yeah, um, I know it's 20 feet in the air, but yeah. Anyways. Um, so next to that now we're like, if we're in the pre rut, we know what's going on, um, like tactics to use that could help you. So let's talk about like, you know, rattling, no rattling, calling, um, decoy use, things like that. Um, what's your opinion? What have you used mm. or don't use I've
1: Exactly not had much luck with decoys.
2: Yeah. I've just I've only used them a couple times. In At the, any time? Or just in general? In general.
1: Yeah. I, I've seen one deer freak out and then the other time I saw some deers some deers, I saw some deer come to the field edge and then they just turn around and walk back in. So I, I don't know that I just, it, it didn't work. I know that I had them out in a field so that deer could see them ahead of time. Um, I tried to be pretty thoughtful about how I was handling it so I didn't get my scent all over it. I know you're not supposed to use them in a heavily timbered area so that it freaks deer out. They just come around a corner or something and then there it is, but I've not had much luck with that rattling I obviously, I think if it's October, you can tickle the antlers and maybe you'll get some curiosity. I don't think you want to go for a knockdown drag out in early <laughs> October. Uh, that just That's not natural either. But like you said, I've rattled a few times where I know it brought deer in because they kind of came at was a fast a, walk.
2: It, I was going to say, was it quick reaction to you rattling?
1: I mean, just a couple minutes. So okay. And it came in at a pretty good little clip. Now, all the bucks... I've ever rattled in have probably been two or under. Maybe one three-year-old. I've never rattled in a big, solid, mature buck. I think that's just the curiosity factor of some of those younger bucks. I'm not opposed to it. Uh I definitely like to use natural antlers as opposed to some of the other products out there. I just think it gives the best sound. Um, That being said, I-
2: Hence the more natural. Yeah, again, watch, watch right. your fingers on natural antlers. You will make yeah. sure you <laughs> seen some take the time. Thumbnails
0: yes. removed. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: but
1: I don't know. And then you've got you know grunts or snort wheeze. I I can only say on one occasion I know a snort wheeze changed the direction of a deer walking along a creek edge to where it came back up towards me.
2: And then really? any doe, yeah, any doe calling. Have you ever the bleats like the and I'm more and in stuff. the pre rut stage here because the calling yeah. does change throughout sure. the seasons, but.
1: I mean, I've tried the can before. I've never yeah. noticed any okay. crazy effect. That's me personally. I uh-huh. know some people will swear by it. Grunts. Yeah. I, I, a lot of times I'll use grunts if I'm going into an area or leaving an area where I know there's already deer. Just So as they not necessarily see me or smell me but can hear me exiting or leaving a stand, like if I've got to walk by a field, I'll do some soft little grunts as I'm leaving just because, one, I know they can't see me. But they might be able to hear me and or I know they can't smell me, but they might sort of be able to see me and or hear me mm-hmm. just to, you know, they hear some soft little grunts and they hear the leaves shuffling. Maybe it, it just doesn't blow them out of the field. But I don't know. Mixed emotions on all of it. I, yeah. I, I haven't been able to talk to a deer and ask, ask them what they think. But what they... Well, yeah. I have. Okay. okay.
2: <laughs> so I, I like. would go... Uh, so we'll start with rattling. Um like you'd pre-rut, I don't rattle as loud. I will bring some. I used to use natural antlers. I do use the black rack. Um, I've used other ones. The black rack for me seems to be the most realistic. If you're not going to use sure? natural antlers, I do like them because they're packable. Mm-hmm. They'll stack. They've kind of they've got the double sided, so you get a lot more noise out of them. But I'll I'll tinkle. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. With them. Make some sound. Yeah. But um, as I get into... I know. It's once a podcast. It <laughs> it's okay. Um, but I'll messle. Messle? I've lost it. It it's, happens, it, people. It's okay. Um, that's what I'm here for. Comic Relief. Exactly. By Pat Fisher. Uh, and it's free. It is. Uh, no admission. We don't charge. Right. Um, but I'll just light, right? Light rattling. There has two times I've known it to work. Um, One, and they're both were quick reactions. One, I didn't see the deer coming. I rattled, a small buck came by um, within about five minutes, walked on, I'm like, okay, that worked. I'll try it again after he left and was out of range. I rattled again and before I could put him down, this. You know, three-and-a-half, maybe four-year-old, boom, was underneath my tree, full run, and stopped. I'm like, well, shoot. I still have (laughs) him in my hand. Uh, I did get that deer. Um, And then the second time was, um, like, we're in a text group, and the wife and everybody's like, yeah, there's a buck. You know, it's coming your way, blah, blah, blah. And I'm on one side of the farm, and then there's a road, and then the other side. So where I'm at, I can... I pull up my binos and sure enough I see the buck running across the field and it has to come to the road and it stops and then it's got to cross over to my side. But I'm like 50 yards down the road where, from where it's standing to cross. I'm like, it's going to cross in the wrong area. So I pull on my antlers and rattle and he turned and walked right down the gravel road and then right into where I was. So nice. those are the two times that it worked. But other than that, I don't know. I couldn't tell you 100%. Yeah, because I rattle,
1: it's 30 minutes later, and you're like, I mean, did it just take its it time, or did yeah. it just stumble that direction anyway? Right.
2: I do. When I do rattling sequences, I will vary it. Sometimes I'll do it 30 seconds, or sometimes I'll rattle for, rattle for two minutes long, especially if I'm getting into more of the rut stage where they're battling for dominance and they're doing a long fight. I'll match that, but Mm -hmm. pre-rut, you know, light rattling. Calling, um, I don't do the, I'll do doe bleats every now and again, especially if I spook deer out. If I walk into a stand and get up and I, right, because I'm going in midday for an evening hunt and I spook them out, I'll put out a fawn ball um, and a couple doe bleats just to maybe entice them, okay, hey. You left your kid back here, or or the moms yeah. looking for everybody to try to get them to come back to you, and then I'll grunt every now and again, um, and then decoys. I've had one time where a small spike came out. I was doing the the Flambeau boss buck,
0: yeah. Oh, totally. and
2: and he walked around it, and I put scent around it, not directly on the decoy, right? Because then it stinks when you got to pack it up. Kind of made a perimeter around it, you know, some tarsal gland scent, something like that. And, uh, and he walked around it for about 45 minutes and left. But I feel like half time I use a decoy, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. I need a decoy expert. Mm-hmm. I feel like they scare off. Yep. yep. They see it. They won't come to it. I've used small ones. I've used the bigger buck decoys, and I just can't. I don't know if I'm got positioned wrong or what. I always try to face them quartering away from me is the best um, from what I've seen that way if the deer does approach you're getting a good shot on the deer but yeah decoys and it's more to carry Yeah. so um, like you said in the timber I think you probably shouldn't use them there as much I have tried it a doe during the rut you know just to see what would happen didn't help um, but it, they should be more in a field mm-hmm. open where they can be seen yep. so um, I don't know to each his own. I've seen them work and not work. So the,
0: the, I, when you see the videos online of the the, <clears throat> the decoys working, it's pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some decoys destroyed oh, from yeah. a, from a you know a dominant buck or a buck that wants to fight and just squares up back of the neck, bowls up you know hair standing straight up and runs that thing over. It's pretty cool to see.
1: And I don't think what a lot of people realize is what you see online. For every time. A buck comes into a decoy, there's probably eight that it they don't, yeah, so you're you're seeing the one positive interaction as opposed to the other ones where they didn't, so you gotta take it with a grain of
0: salt so right. rattling for me, I've definitely seen it work um, <clears throat> I've seen it work to where you're still mid rattle and the the buck and it's never really a big bucket these scenarios is flying in come and check it out and you just sit still because you got you're moving your hands and whatnot. Um, that's happened multiple times for me, but the one time I actually rattled in a shooter and I I would say I didn't rattle in, it was back in the days when I was filming, um, deer hunts. So we had two guys in a a tree and, uh, we were, you know, off of a scrape line next to a food plot. We were back in the woods We're kind of in a travel area. It was in the evening and I we decided to do, we threw the kitchen sink. He was going to rattle and I broke this branch off of the tree that we were in, like a small one, and had a bunch of leaves on it. And as he started rattling, I was just banging the leaves like crazy. And it sounded so realistic to an actual fight in the woods because it sounded like you can you hear the hoof beats and the leaves and everything and it's super loud. But it sounded amazing. And then, we weren't even done with that first, you know, 30-second, 45-minute-second, you know, deal we went into. And immediately to our left, down this, you know, opening, there is a shooter buck that just hopped up out of a ditch out of nowhere. hmm And the only downfall is it caught us doing the whole brass band thing up in the tree. But it, like... It had to come in and see what that was. But the fact that I was swinging a branch around and and we were rattling and moving and stuff and going crazy, I think if he would have not seen us, he would have been under our tree in probably a minute or less. Yeah. But he was about, a, he was about 50 yards away from us whenever he popped his head up or, like, we actually got to see him. And we just got caught making a ruckus in a tree. But it sounded so cool, and it was definitely a shooter, and it just didn't – it just – yeah. We got caught with our pants down. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, if it, if all else fails, less is more probably on all of it. Yeah. You know, as long as you're, I mean, a little bit of scent control, you know, wind and just being in the right area from either scouting or the sign or whatever. And, you know, if you don't use any urine, no calling, no deer decoys. Yeah. You know, that's. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: recreate their natural environment on a day in day out basis Yeah, you're not altering it in any way shape or form Nope. that's kind of the mentality I've taken over the last several years I, it's not that I'm saying all that stuff doesn't sure and place. I've seen
2: I have seen it work absolutely um, but an all natural every day like you said I'm
1: trying to get in and out without that deer ever knowing that anything ever took place
2: yep yep
1: mm. I'm with you so that that's where I'm kind of at these days yeah Yeah, but I don't know bunch
2: of leftover wicks hanging up in trees with (laughs) scent all over. (laughs) Yes,
1: which I think is why a lot of deer, in my opinion, shy away from some of these scents because a lot of times guys will just hang the wicks up and leave them
2: and then they're there. And I've been there. Yeah, like I hung it up and then it's night and or whatever someone got one or I got one or exactly, you know, you're like, I'm ready to get out of here. And you didn't grab it, mm-hmm. zip it back up, and then it just stayed there. And sure, yeah, but I'm with you. It it's is what it
0: is. Pre-red Pre-rut, is upon us. Mm-hmm. I got and a question. I'm excited, so just a random question. Mm-hmm. Um, the the powder acorn vapple stuff. Oh yeah, you consider that baiting? Is there uh, well, is there an argument the, there
1: that certain states would? I mean,
0: whether I do or not, isn't...
2: It was almost like a wind checker, it's a wind, but it, It's
0: a wind checker bottle. <clears throat> yep. And they said it has acorn scent. It is but, acorn scent. But really, it's like acorn dust from, like, post-processing of something. Right. But it's fine enough that it's you use powder. it as a wind checker. And it smells so good. It does.
2: I still have an old bottle. Yeah. I never used it all. I don't know. But I just always thought about, like, is mm-hmm. this, like, on the fine line of... I probably should have looked. I used it.
0: <laughs> it smells so good.
1: Well, there's some states that say you're not supposed to use any attracting scents. Well, that's technically a scent and it's an attractant. But yeah, that, it's I a think food they base.
0: Mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, deer lures are, you know, yeah. a, a lure. Well, that's a
2: that's a good question. Uh, foreshadowing for yeah. a guest for, we're have for on. next for next
0: podcast. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just always thought like, okay. It's not acorn scented powder. Mm-hmm. Like you open it up, and, and you're not pouring a pile of it on the ground. No, you're not. But you open it up, and it's like powdered And that is something too. You bring
2: up a good point talking about that. We talked about, you know, the scent. We obviously looked at what urine is banned in some states. Wherever you're listening from, double check every single year. Oh yeah, they yeah. change it. What the rules are and regulations before you just go use whatever, Um, right? You got to take it upon yourself to do the research. And if you can't find the pamphlet or, right, they have the actual code book that you can read, you can call your local office Mm -hmm. and ask the question. Is there
0: any states left that don't allow lighted knocks? I'm thinking
1: Mm. there might be one or two. I know just in the last couple of years, some of the ones out west finally got on board realizing that it doesn't help you kill an animal. It only helps you recover it and/ or your arrow so you can make an educated decision on whether you need to go after it right then and there or not. I always thought that was a little ridiculous. I was,
0: I, I was always confused of why it was illegal to use lighted knocks unless they were uh, just grouping it into like lighted electronics.: uh, Which they anything, were. One state. Idaho. They did that, still did that not just get changed though? I thought well, they did.
2: okay, maybe they changed it. Does it? Let me I, see I, when it I says saw, this was that. put up. I, I swore I, I thought saw. Oh, this did. is old. Okay, I thought they they did. were the last state. There. They were the
0: last state, okay. so, so it's all good.
1: I Currently
2: thinking, does not accept.
1: I was thinking it was either Alaska, Idaho, Hawaii, something like that. But that but was 2017. Does
0: that, did that so. rule have to deal with lighted pins? Or never... There's, right. still,
1: uh, there's still states, I think Missouri included, you can't... Well, I don't know. Can you use a lighted... No, you can use lighted pins. You can't use anything that project projects light onto an animal. Yeah. I think there still might be states that you can't use lighted pins.
0: That might be true, too. Uh, Which is weird. check. I mean, obviously, you don't want to promote hunting in the after shooting light hours. Mm-hmm. So, And the, here's a, this was 2019.
2: So did it change since then? Idaho? Yes.
1: Yeah, I want to say it's been in the last year.
2: Okay, because lighted no. knocks remained illegal for our tree hunters in 2019 um all right I don't I know just you just yeah to that check all the rules and for stuff. sure yeah. yeah I mean they do trail cams have become a thing now
0: oh yeah was that in Arizona there was some Arizona you can't Arizona, use trail cam.
2: maybe Utah. period
0: oh not even on private ground I right. looked that up yeah you got that Arizona trail uh, cam law it might just be public but at the same time I heard that I, I don't know Hmm. they're hiding Bigfoot or something mm-hmm <laughs> I want to see okay
2: all right this was March 7th so this is this year spring okay. um, we'll see what it says some Western states have made a big change around the use of wireless cameras I wonder if that's a difference too with the wireless 1st I've been um, earlier this year, Utah joined Arizona and Nevada in banning the use of trail cameras for hunting. Montana prohibits the use of cellular cams during hunting season. Reasons for camera bans.
0: So so what are the first three states again? Arizona, Utah, and...
2: Arizona, Utah, Nevada, and then Montana prohibits the use of cellular cams.
0: During the season.
2: During the season.
0: During... Not... Right. But before season, all four of those states, you can use cams No, no, no. Oh, that's just Montana.
2: That's just Montana. It says, the Western bands, it's not about white tails, but elk and mule deer. Wildlife officials point to chaotic scenes of hunters and outfitters hanging 30 to 50 or more cams on a single water hole <laughs> as they scout for bulls on public land. And so that's talking about Public, public. land
0: sure it might just be public
2: so I I I mean I do understand that to a point right it's public parks you try to keep them nice and then pretty soon if that's true that's what a wildlife officials are saying you got a popper is you've got Mm -hmm. 50 trail cameras hanging up I, I mean I understand that that's a little crazy but
0: that, you imagine cellular cameras in the in the in the elk migration, you know, or just that advantage of being like, Boys, they're here. I guarantee they're gonna be down this way. And then you and like mm-hmm. and then you come across the
2: stealing part, right? You got thirty or fifty can you right? It happens. Yeah. yeah. And so now they're dealing with not only right, all these cameras on one spot, but now they're dealing with um the legality side of people making reports and people getting in fights and, mm-hmm. um, but that's public. I mean, I couldn't see it being banned private. I don't know how you could. Yeah. I don't know how, but you could, there again, you can call and ask. So all sorts of stuff. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. Anything Let's go hunt.
1: To, yeah. if That's what I'm ready to do. And do everybody
2: now. wear a harness.
1: Yes. Everybody wear a harness. Please.
0: Use a lifeline. Wear a harness. Yep. I'm ready to get out on the evening hunt with the kayak and mm-hmm. the bow. Mm-hmm.
1: I might try and sneak
0: out this coming weekend. Okay, hunt uh, one evening up at your place. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nice. I've been putting it off. I'm waiting to that later October this year. Just trying something different. Just.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it's not gonna. I'm it's not. gonna be a sneak out for about two hours Saturday evening, and then that's it. Just yeah. sneak in. I got a new Q200. A little quick set. Yep. Got to sneak in through the field. And then sneak out through the timber. Got a trail What are you,
0: what are you shooting? You shooting doe, or just holding off for a mature buck?
2: I, I think this office. He gets some, I think this office is a little shy on deer jerky right now. He gets some single mama doe coming by trying to yeah. snort. We I don't are. Know. Uh,
1: it, it just kind of depends on how the
2: air catches me that day. Right. I guess. You <laughs> <He laughs> so, want me to go shoot a doe? We'll see. see. I'll yeah. be ready. I love it. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. Yes, Dear.
1: I got the itch. Pat, you've got the itch.
2: I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: That's wrap. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, go ahead and give us a subscribe. That way you're going to get a notification every time we put out a new podcast. Chandler, what else should they do?
0: Go to our uh, social media pages and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, get a subscribe to YouTube channel. We do uh, product reviews there. And then uh, giveaways is a great part of our social media as well.
1: And then we just want to thank you guys for what you guys do and support us so we can do stuff like this. So thank you.